Hi, my name is Jenny Kwong. And I'm Nathan Taylor. Welcome to ArtsLink on CJSW 90.9 FM in Calgary on Treaty 7 lands and Métis Region 3. So today I have an interview with playwright Caroline Russell King about a play she will have as part of the Calgary Fringe Festival. The play is called Absinthe, Bourbon, Vodka and Sake. And I'll kick off the program by speaking with Michelle Gallant. She is uh, of the Calgary Fringe Festival, so we'll be talking about what Fringe is, as well as the technical innovations the festival is undertaking to make the shows more accessible from the comfort of your own home. Here's my talk with Michelle Gallant. So Michelle, what would you describe as Fringe being? I mean, for myself, it's going to see a solo performance. My mom associates Fringe with going to see a performance outdoors. How would you frame this year's Fringe Festival? Well, Fringe traditionally centers around indoor theater performances or performance art. And the first Fringe started actually in Edinburgh, Scotland, back in 1947, post-World War II. And, of course, many years later has become this worldwide Fringe movement. Now, Fringe for Calgary focuses predominantly on the indoor theater performances for this year. So how, that's how we categorize what Fringe is. There's other fringes like Edmonton Fringe, which has the second largest festival in North America. Uh, basically, for them, they have outdoor components, they have street vendors, they have street performers, as well as the indoor theater performances. So your mom is absolutely correct. There's some fringes that have an outdoor component, and that's how they associate fringe. And there's other pure fringers, if you like, um, who know about the history of fringe and are more focused on the indoor performance art. And so uh, this year, you're having performances held in several venues, as well as, I believe, one venue that you're saving for a special format of a performance that each group is going to do. Yes, absolutely. So we have 14 different artists participating this year at this year's Calgary Fringe. And we have three what we call main stage venues. So two of them are in the Lantern Community Church, in the Sanctuary, and in the Fellowship Hall in the basement. The Alexandra Center Dance Hall is our third venue. And then we have like a little sound venue spot that's a little um, um, uh, unique, which is the Gravity Espresso and Wine Bar, which is hosting a improv murder mystery. So between those four different venues, we have acts that are happening throughout the run of the fringe. And we have a very special venue that we've set aside at Festival Hall that we're calling our live stream venue. So if you think of television shows where sometimes, you know, you'll see a television show that's, you know, recorded live in front of a live studio audience. Um, that's kind of how we have it set up at the Festival Hall. So all those different 14 artists have an opportunity to perform a special performance within Festival Hall in front of a live studio audience while simultaneously having the show broadcast out where people can watch the shows live from their own homes, which is nice. It makes this more accessible, more open for people to be able to attend Fringe who maybe not be otherwise able to come out and play with us. I'm curious, uh, what sort of efforts uh, do you have to make in order to live stream something that would generally be viewed from the audience perspective? How are you going about doing this? Well, basically what we have um, in terms of our equipment, we were able to source out three television studio high-definition cameras 
that we have set up on either side of the stage and one in the center so that we can switch between different angles, we can do close-ups, we can do pan-away shots. So in terms of the audience sitting at home, they're able to see a very high-quality performance performed in front of them from their homes on their screen that they're able to see. From the audience perspective, nothing really changes for them because the cameras are kind of in behind them. So they get the traditional theater experience of seeing a live performance on stage while the people at home get a little bit more extra. They get to see those close-up shots. They get to see different angles. So there's a little bit something different in either experience. And the really nice thing with the live stream too is that we can pre-record all the live streams so that at the end of it, we can give that recording to the artists and they can take that recording and do with it whatever they'd like. But we have like a, a, a very great platform. It's called VidFlex Worldplay, uh, which is based out here in Calgary. Um, so they give us like a very stable platform from which to live stream from. We did a test run of this last year in our abridged version of our Calgary Fringe Festival, and it went really, really well. We had like oh, close to 13% of our tickets sold were, were sold for live stream. Okay, so this is probably going to be a continuing trend. I, I'm hoping so. I'm hoping so. Like I said, from, from our perspective, it just makes this more accessible. And that's part of the goal of a fringe and a fringe festival is to be as accessible and open to as many people as possible. So with performers and directors coming in and having the opportunity to work with cameras, um, did anyone, you know, go outside of their comfort zone and get a little bit, you know, tricky um, with what they were trying to do? It was definitely outside of the comfort zone for some of the performers and directors. But what we've done to make things easier for them is ahead of time, we, you know, let them know where the cameras are going to be situated, told them to give some thought as to what close-ups they would like to see, if they want to see certain portions of their play being um, uh, shot from different angles. They also get a two-hour tech rehearsal the day of their scheduled performance in the live stream venue. So their technician comes over from the main stage venue. They work alongside the digital technician and with the director and stage manager to make sure that they really hone down and tighten things up so that the artists feel comfortable when they're performing on stage. They know what to expect in terms of the different angles and what's going to happen in terms of close-ups or pan-away shots for the camera. But by and large, we try and make the process as easy and as seamless as possible. We don't want them to change anything that they're presenting on stage. We just want them to know that there's going to be different camera angles that they can work with, and we can work within the confines of the performance to complement what they're already doing. So they don't have to think about, I have to face this way, or I have to adjust my blocking and do this. We will adjust to them. That was my interview with Michelle Gallant from the Calgary Fringe Festival. It runs from Friday, July 29th to Saturday, August 6th. Check out calgaryfringe.ca for all details. Hi, uh, my name is Jenny Kwong for Earthlink on CJSW 90.9 FM in Calgary. Today I'm speaking with Caroline Russell King about her new play, Absinthe, Bourbon, Vodka, and Saki at the Calgary Fringe Festival 2022 edition. So welcome, Caroline. Thank you. Nice to be here. And so I guess uh, tell me about uh, 
what what started the idea for the play? What started the idea for play? Oh, uh, well, I've been writing a lot of plays. I've written this is my thirty first play, and uh, this play came out of uh, uh, voices that started talking to me after I'd finished reading another play called Red by John Logan. So that play deals with a student and a teacher in a painting studio. And I started hearing the voice of a playwright with a student. So that's that's kind of how it started four years ago. Okay, and so tell me about the play itself. So it's about this woman who's uh, she's a playwright, and she takes in a private student. Uh, he his dad can afford to give him uh, lessons, private lessons, because he's very wealthy. And at the same time, she's also volunteering at a rehab facility where she's teaching uh, creative writing to uh, recovering drug addicts. And it's uh, the the one uh, boy plays two different parts, and uh, so yeah, it's a, it's about her life, and um, also because she's a playwright, she can also imagine herself in different places. So she creates different places in her imagination, like France and uh, in Paris and in um, the Mardi Gras in the in the Southern States and. Uh, so it has sort of a flight of fancy quality to it as well. And so uh, what was it about uh, this particular idea that drew you to it? Uh, what one made you want to explore it further? Uh, well, like I said, I, I started hearing the characters' voices, which sounds a little flaky, but they often that's often how it is with me. Okay, and so I guess... Uh, Tell me uh, about uh, putting the play together. Who have you brought on as part of the cast and team? Yeah, I have a brilliant director, Valerie Ann Pearson, who is a, a professional um, actor and director. She's directed in Calgary and at the Globe in Sask- uh, Saskatchewan. And uh, she's fantastic. She was also my high school teacher when I was uh, 17. <laughs> And now I'm 59, so this is the first time for me working with her as a director, so I'm thrilled. She was in one of my plays at Lunchbox about five, six years ago. And I'm also working with uh, Kathy Kerbis, and she is uh, an incredible actor who's in in town who gets lots of work. And E.J. Candelaria, who is fantastic as well. He's done a lot of stuff at Storybook, and he was just in Ragtime with uh, Theatre Calgary. And the costumes are being dire- uh, designed by Hal Kerbis. So it's a, a small but uh, devoted band of artists. And so what is it about um, the idea of uh, rehab that uh, is interesting to explore? Well, I think I got the um, the idea for myself. Uh, I, I did work with... Uh, uh, teaching creative writing in uh, two drug rehabilitation centers, and so that was that gave me a lot of uh, ideas about what to do there, because normally the people I teach playwriting to are, you know, they can afford to pay and they really want to be there. And I've been teaching those classes for a long time, but uh, it was a real challenge for me to work with a population of men who are in rehab and didn't want to be there and hadn't paid any money and really hated me. <laughs> so uh, when you get a win with uh, in that situation, it, it's it's worth a lot more. And uh, so, yeah, these are men who were 
formerly incarcerated had pending incarcerations. Some were challenged by mental illness and homelessness. So, yeah, this is my my real life experience working with that population. What is it about substance use that is fascinating and the approach you made that is comedic versus a didactic approach? Oh yeah, I'm I'm really not about lecturing to anybody about how to live their life or what to do with their life. Um, my job is to create wonderful characters and have them entertain us. Uh, I really don't write from a place of, you know, heavy theme. Um, uh, my background is in as a commercial comedy writer. My uh, I worked in a professional dinner theater for nine years and worked on seventy shows with them and had. Uh, about six of my shows produced through them, so my whole background is in is in comedy, and uh, I think that uh, comedy is a wonderful uh, genre. And this play is is not really necessarily billed as a comedy, but it certainly will make you laugh and maybe even make you cry. I'm not sure. Hopeful. <laughs> Are you rehearsing the play at the moment? How do you see it going with the Fringe back in person this year? Oh, I, I, we are in the second day of rehearsal here in, in Calgary, and um, I'm very excited to be with the Fringe Festival. I mean, I, you know, all theater is, uh, was devastated uh, with uh, the COVID and the plague and all of those issues. So uh, it's just thrilling to be back in the theater. And um, I haven't done the Fringe since I was in my 20s. So it's it's very interesting for me to be back in that in, environment, but it's um, yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of fun. Which venue will the play be in in Inglewood, and how do you see it going with that venue? Uh, the venue is going to work really well for us. Um, we're going to be in mostly in the festival hall, but you can click on the Fringe links and uh, and get all the information that you need from the Calgary Fringe Festival. If you if anybody wants to Google that. That's an easy uh, click, click. Um, the, yeah, the, 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 the actual place that we're going to be performing in is going to uh, be a good setup because, as you know, sometimes in fringe venues, you're stuck in, you know, pokey little bars or, you know, um, <laughs> places that have real challenges. But the venue that we have is going to be uh, lovely and going to work very well for us. Where do you see the play going after the fringe? Well, I'll uh, probably do some tweaks or some rewrites, some, or not really rewrites, but like a buff and polish. Um, but it already has a secondary production. It's going to be produced next summer in Red Deer. And so um, I'll look forward to going up to Red Deer and seeing it, uh, seeing what they do with it, because it'll be a completely different show. So that'll be fun. You're also a theater critic. How do you see the new theater season shaping up? I'm sorry, how do, how do I feel about the new seasons yeah. as a theater critic? Yeah. Oh, I, I always look forward to the new seasons. Um, I, I'm always excited to see new plays. I, I see, oh, probably, I don't know, 50, 60 plays a year. And uh, this, is, this is my life, is writing plays, teaching playwriting, being a dramaturg, helping other people to write plays, and, uh, and then also reviewing plays. So plays, plays, plays. Anything to add about the play Absinthe, Bourbon, Vodka, and Saki? 
no, thank you very much for speaking with me. And uh, I just want to encourage everybody to get out to Inglewood. And uh, there'll be a lot of great shows there besides uh, Absence Bourbon, Vodka and Saki. And uh, I just hope that the weather holds out and that uh, we get good houses. All right. Thank you very much again. Thank you for, ha- for having me. I appreciate it. Hi, this is Jenny Kwong, and that was my interview with Caroline Russell King about her new play as part of the Calgary Fringe Festival 2022. The play is called Absinthe Bourbon Vodka and Saki. Caroline Russell King is a playwright, theater critic, as well as dramaturge. The play will be part of the Calgary Fringe Festival taking place July 29th to August 6th. Visit www.calgaryfringe.ca for more information about the play as well as many other performances taking place during the Fringe Festival. Carolyn Russell King's play, Absence Bourbon, Vodka, and Saki, is playing as part of the Calgary Fringe Festival starting Friday, July 29th and going until August 6th. All shows are happening at the Alexandra Center Society at the Dance Hall, except for the last show on the 6th, which will happen at Festival Hall. This is a show that is in-person only. For the next interview on our show, I'm speaking with Abigail Stosky raman She's the program coordinator of Nature Alberta, and she's going to be speaking about the Family Nature Nights in 2022, including a, um, an event called Brilliant Birds, which is happening on August 3rd from 6 to 8.30 p.m. at the Weaselhead Park. We'll be talking citizen science as well as the magazine that uh, Nature Alberta puts out. Family Nature Nights are a really exciting initiative. It is one of our largest outreach events that we have during the year. They're really fantastic opportunities for families to come out and learn about nature and connect to the outdoors in ways that they might not have been able to explore before. We have a series of seven events happening throughout the summer in Edmonton, Red Deer, and Calgary. And the Calgary one is actually uh, really exciting. It's coming up quick. It will be focusing on brilliant birds, and it will be located at Weaselhead Park. We're actually meeting at the north entrance, uh, just at the parking lot at the corner of the 37th Street and 66th Avenue. It is absolutely free to families. Um, They are very popular, so we do recommend arriving as early as you can. Registration is open from 6 to 6.25, but we find that they usually fill up um, before that. At this Family Nature Night that we're having in Calgary, we're actually also giving out uh, Nature Kids binoculars to the kids in attendance. So not only do you get to come to this free event and experience nature in a new and exciting way, you also get some free equipment to go and explore nature when you get home. We do cap uh, participant limits at 150 people, just because beyond that, the nature walks get a little bit too too large. It's, It's hard to hear what your guide is saying. Um, And one of the exciting things about this event is it's not only a nature walk. You'll be going on about a 40-minute long nature walk, but we also have an education station where we teach you uh, how to use binoculars. And it will be one of our member clubs 
Nature Calgary, who will be discussing that. Um, we also have another education station put on by the Weaselhead and Glenmore Park Preservation Society, where they get to talk about light pollution and how that impacts birds, which is not something that many people often think about when they think light pollution. Now, you're working, as you mentioned, with these two other organizations to put on this Brilliant Birds event. Um, can you go into some detail about what other organizations that people will find they are crossing paths with if they go to uh, uh, any Nature Alberta events? Yeah, absolutely. We are proud to be connecting over 40 member clubs across the province. And depending on which event you go to, you have a whole variety of uh, organizations that we connect with, everything from, um, you know, looking at amphibians and reptiles or going on mushroom forays. Uh, the Calgary area itself has a really exciting uh, number of member clubs that we're really proud to collaborate with, in addition to Nature Calgary and the Weaselhead Glenmore Park Preservation Society. We also have a Calgary Area Nest Box Monitoring Society and a Calgary Bird Banning Society, which do really amazing work. And those are just a, a few of the clubs that we work with. You said bird banding. That's where they put the identification bans on birds? It is indeed. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting. I didn't know that there'd be uh, volunteer opportunities with such uh, specific um, endeavors. That's very interesting. Yes. Yeah, it's really exciting to see just how many people are passionate about conserving Alberta's natural spaces. And at Nature Alberta, we're just so excited to be able to help bring this community together and just strengthen conservation and ignite an interest in Alberta's natural spaces. Now, you provide tools for people to become involved as citizen scientists. Uh, can you describe how that process works and who it might appeal to? Absolutely. One of the things that is so exciting about citizen science is that it's for everyone, whether you are someone who knows the difference between uh, purple vetch versus a prickly wild rose, or if you're just looking to get started and begin building your, your natural skills. Um, it's a really fantastic opportunity, but with citizen science, there is a lot out there. So on our webpage at naturealberta.ca, we actually have a whole section dedicated to citizen science where we've organized projects by what their um, organism of interest is. For example, if you're wanting to get started uh, helping out on some bird citizen science or some plant citizen science, we've got you covered. The exciting thing about citizen science is not only do you help build your natural Skills, but these projects also are really important tools that scientists use to monitor populations so that we can understand how these populations are doing, how they're surviving, and if there are any warning signs to look out for. So citizen science is just so important and it is so exciting. Your website at Nature Alberta has a detailed uh, frequently asked questions section about citizen scientists. Uh, so anyone that is perusing the website can basically go to whatever their topic of interest would be and uh, have it unravel from there. Is that correct? That absolutely is. We've got uh, topics on you know why you should participate, um, how to choose a citizen science project, how to make the most of your observations 
not only to gain the most on a personal note, but as well as make sure they're as scientifically relevant as possible. Um, and we also have a quick how-to guide on some of the largest citizen science tools that are available, some of the apps. For example, eBird and iNaturalist are very popular. So we quickly show you how to get started with those. That dovetails nicely into finding out that you put out a magazine. Could you tell us about that as well? Yeah, absolutely. Our magazine is part of our initiative to help um, educate the general population on some of these conservation issues because, as you've noted, it can be really difficult to, to keep track of everything that's happening across our amazing province. With our magazine, it comes out four times a year, so as each season changes, and we really tailor the articles not only to current events and current conservation concerns, but also what the seasons are doing. One section in particular we're very excited about is our Nature Kids section. Uh, usually in each magazine, we'll have a few DIY kids or DIY activities designed for kids ages 4 to 12, where, you know, they can go out and uh, make their own listening device, so which amplifies the sounds of nature around them so they can really get up close and personal or go and uh, explore how seeds grow or maybe make a autumn placemat with a bunch of different leaves. So that part of the magazine is always really exciting and it complements well the really in-depth conservation articles that we have, as well as engaging kids and younger families to explore nature also. Our latest magazine edition, the Summer 2022, actually just came out this past Friday uh, on our website, so it's available if you want to go check it out. This magazine covers a lot of really exciting articles. Not only does it focus on common nighthawks and the amazing sounds they're able to produce, it also looks at death by data deficit, the disappearance of wolverines in Alberta's eastern slopes. Small but Mighty, which is an exploration of soil invertebrates and land reclamation, and the implications of shifting baselines on nature conservation. So really hot topics, really exciting that we're able to put this together and to share it with everyone. And if any of your listeners are interested, we're still looking for volunteers. Not only do we ask for volunteers to potentially write magazine articles, uh, if anyone wants to come and help out with our family nature night, please just check out our volunteer and job board or send me an email at naturekids at naturealberta.ca. There are always really exciting ways to help Nature Alberta and to connect with us. So we're excited and always ready. That was my interview with Abigail Stosky Raman from Nature Alberta. Visit naturealberta.ca for more details. And now it's time for a brief events listing section in our program. Film events. Thursday, August 11th at the Globe Cinema, Calgary Cinematheque presents Medusa as part of their contemporary world cinema series. From Brazil, Medusa confronts religious hypocrisy with invigorating anger. Visit calgarycinema.org for details. Every Wednesday to Sunday, Fort Calgary's Burns West Theatre presents Istotsi, The Land We Live On, 11 a.m., 2 p.m., and 3.30 p.m. 
Produced by the Making Treaty 7 Cultural Society, Istatsi brings together eight artists for this collage of short films, which speaks from the heart to the land we live on. Check out fortcalgary.com for more. Outdoor Events August 5th, 12th, and 26th, the Hispanic Art Society presents Salsa on the Street at Century Gardens Park. This free event features DJs, live bands, and dance instructors to get you moving. Visit hispanicarts.ca for more info. Adventures for Wilderness, in support of the Alberta Wilderness Association, has an ongoing list of hikes and tours, from easy to challenging. August 17th is hiking into the headwaters of Meadow Creek. August 21st is a trip up Black Rock Mountain. Finally, August 27th is a touring trip about orphaned oil and gas wells and foothills geology. Find a trip that suits your interest and ability at adventuresforwilderness.ca. Here's a big one. From July 22nd to August 1st, it's Historic Calgary Week. With the title, We'll Meet Again, Unseen History Brought to Life, the Chinook Country Historical Society is running a massive number of events best looked at from their website, chinookhistory.ca. From the history of mobs and protest in Calgary, to the first time the Hangar Flight Museum is open to the public, I urge listeners to peruse these fascinating opportunities. Hi, this is Jenny Kwong, and you've been listening to ArtsLink on CJSW 90.9 FM in Calgary. We'll talk to you folks again on our next show, August 22nd. Thanks for listening.